1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
3: And The Answer's career is nothing short of impressive. Not content with becoming a professional footballer. Andy went on to star in Sky's football drama, Dream Team, before founding his award-winning sports consultancy, Sports On Screen. He's worked on some of the biggest sports productions on TV, coined an iconic football phrase, and even choreographed goal celebrations at the World Cup. He also still manages to find the time to be the chairman of S.E. Dons, a charismatic grassroots football team that's captured the hearts of fans across the UK with their entertaining content. In this episode, we delve into Andy's unconventional journey. Is industry influence, and what it takes to build a successful career as an entrepreneur. Okay, today's guests um, take great pleasure in introducing a very, very old friend. We go way back where we're getting to that. Andy Answer, welcome to the Absolutely podcast. How you doing, bro?
4: I'm blessed, you know, Jay, And I'm honored. I feel honored to actually be here, sit in a room with you and to catch up on good times, bad times, old times.
3: No bad times. No, we can get into that. We've got stories. We've got history, you know, yeah. and you're right, good and bad, and... We're going to talk about you know your progression and and things you've been through. So really appreciate it. Okay, so let's get going. So first question would be, um, you know, dream team. You know, going back in the day, that's where it all started for you in terms of uh, being part of uh, the show, being an actor. I knew you previously, but we'll we, we'll get into that. Explain how you got into that to to start with.
4: Yeah, I think it's very 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 important that I explain that that journey, how it started. So. My last pro club was Brighton. And by the time I was at Brighton, my knees were shot. And it was like, time to call it a day. And what happened, how, how, let me, I'm going to go through the whole story. It manifested because I went, a friend of mine was going through problems with his missus. So I had two tickets for a Robbie Williams concert. So I thought I'll take him instead of my miss, instead of my wife. So I took him to Robbie Williams concert. By the time I went to the bar to get a drink and come back, he was talking to these two girls and they were body doubles on a film set and they said they hadn't slept for 12 hours. So from that moment, believe it or not, I thought, I'm gonna go into the TV business. I was still a pro footballer at Brighton, but I made my mind up there and then at a Robbie Williams concert. And then I started to actually chase that dream. And a friend of mine, God bless his soul, who I played with at Brighton, was an ex Charlton footballer, Paul Linger, who died a year ago of cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, He was on the show. Because he had, he had come out the game, was playing part-time football. So he was an extra on the show. Mm. And, he, and I called him and he said, no, if, you, if you're going to stop playing football, come, it's a laugh. Come and have a go. So I was going there as a 30-year-old man, but I was going there to learn the industry. Whereas a lot of the other kids, everyone else was younger. They were there to actually just have a laugh and pick up literally it was 50 pound a day. So mm. you went from a football wage mm. and I'm supporting my wife and three kids to doing two to three days a week on 50 pounds a day. Right. But I had signed up contract with Farnborough Football Club, which was the same value financially as my Brighton contract. So I was in good hands. I was in good hands. But went to Dream Team and literally what happened was I got there and I realised that, oh no, this is a football drama and people don't really know what they're doing. So I started to, as directors would ask me, because I'm fresh out of professional football, Mm. what happens in the change room here? What happens there? Because this was only their second series. Mm. Started to advise them. Within about five or six weeks, the executive producer, the owner of the show, Joan Huland, called me to her office and she said, look, everyone's talking about you're my directors. I want to give you a role to start consulting. So then I started to still in the show as an extra, but I was mm-hmm. consulting and everything. And then within a year, I was producing the football for them. I was storylining. I was bringing new people in. I just taught myself. But what I used to do was, go in and write on my hands terminologies. I didn't know from MCU, all, everything that was coming up, I didn't know. So mm. like that's a medium close-up shot. I didn't know what things meant. So I would write things down. And then I finally got to a stage where I fully understood what was happening. But the funny and the hardest thing for me going into Dream Team wasn't the, wasn't the work. It was staying awake. I spent 15 years doing two hours of work a day. Mm. So now I'm starting at 7.30. and finishing at 7.30. So when it got to midday, I'm in meetings, storyline meetings. I used to do my usual. I said, I need to go to the toilet. I'd go and sit in the toilet for 15 minutes, have a power nap. Power nap every day for 15 minutes. <laughs> On the toilet? On the toilet, seriously. Okay, yeah. And come back. But it was my mind, my body could not adjust from yeah, being a footballer mm. to doing those like 12 plus hours a day. It was crazy. Come and man. using the brain in a different way. Yeah. And now I'm, now I'm having to write things down mm. and use the computer more. It was, it was a crazy. It took me a good year. For, mm. of transition to actually not sleep
3: during the day. So you picked it up and learned instead of actually going, you know, to university and all the stuff that other people have to do. You learnt on the job, you yeah. you absorbed it very quickly and you was
4: able to obviously flourish. Yeah. It was it's a big thing for me. I think I've always been one of those people if if I believe, if I want something, I'm gonna give my all and make sure I do it and make mm. sure I achieve it. Listen, I know
3: you from way back, so I'm not surprised by your success your success. We was together. I mean, if we this I did say we touch on it, this this goes way back. Yeah. You started at Palace. Mm-hmm. I started at Charlton. We got mutual friends. You were in a team, obviously in a squad with Wrighty and all the rest of yeah. it. I'm at Charlton. Um, you know, Michael Bennett, yeah. Carl Lieburn, the mutual friends that I'm yeah. talking about. And then obviously you leave that club, I leave that club, I go to Lincoln. You know, I think you went to South End. Yep. Chrissy Powell, another good friend of ours. He's also at Palace. He goes to South End. We all land at, at South End. Barry Fry. Good times. I was only there a short period of time a season. I was able to get in and out and get that move. But you was there. I mean, what we was doing at South End, you know, we was third in the championship at one stage, which people might think, I mean, have dropped yeah. out of the league now. We beat every big club. I remember going to Wolves, beating Millwall yep. at home. You know, we was very successful. The camaraderie, the group. But uh, listen, I've known you before arriving at Southend. We'd had nights out. Uh, I knew what you was about. I knew what you stood for. So in terms of your work ethic, I'm not surprised that you were able to transfer that into a successful, you know, business and as, as able to move mm-hmm. on. But talking about Southend, you know, Ricky Otto,
4: we had some characters, right? We had a group of hungry young footballers, mm. as well as... Elder footballers that were happy, older footballers that were happy to allow the younger boys to flourish. Yeah. But we were hungry. And, we the, were right hungry. Yeah, and, and the right manager. Yeah, the right manager. We were hungry. Fire fire coming yeah. in, just letting
3: us get on with it. We
4: were, self, we managed, we were self-managed. We mm. managed ourselves because we, we, we were a bunch of boys that didn't want to lose. Mm. Literally, and we could pull up each other. It was like, they, it didn't. I couldn't even tell you who wore the armband because it was irrelevant. Mm. Everybody was winners and different kind of characters. Mm. There was total stability. Mm. I remember one time in the change room I think it was Barnsley away when Barry come in and he said, if he exchanged, he didn't even exchange words. He barked some words at you and you did the shoulder, the neck thing. And I was like, I saw him take off straight away. I was like, you better take off, Barry Fry. Because if Jason's his neck like that, it's problems.
3: Well, we know that uh, uh, Barry Fry would just come in and he's, he was like, you know, Dave Bassett or whatever. Yeah. You were, you know, had all these old school managers. I mean, I remember him, I think we played If you can remember that preseason, I turned up late preseason, but I scored. I'm gonna blow my own trumpet, but I scored a hat trick basically in a preseason game against Cape Town Spurs Mm -hmm. or whatever. Left foot, right foot, and a header. And he was he was raving. You know what Baz was like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna be the best thing since sliced bread and blah blah and sliced bread and. I'm like, okay, I wonder if Baz actually realizes I'm suspended for the first game of the season, which he he didn't do his due diligence, you know? This is crazy, right? We, we, right? we got Nottingham Forest, first game of the season. I've been sent off for the back end of last season, done two games, got one more game. So I'm listening to Barry talking in the press and I'm thinking, he doesn't realise that I can't play the first game, you know? It's like, as we get to Thursday, the game's Saturday. Yep. I'm like, Baz, you, you realise I can't play Saturday? You can imagine effing yeah. you in all my years <laughs> of management. You. No one's ever like... Pulled the wall over my eyes. I said, listen, that's your fault, right? I wanted to get the deal done and ensure that I came here and, yes. and joined, you know, join the club because it was a championship. I was playing in the fourth division at Lincoln. And you guys, listen, we came in, we was flying. First result against Forest was one one on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um I've got to we tell played you about the Mill game. game. Do you remember
4: that game, the yeah, Forest game? Go for it. The ironic thing was, imagine you know when back in the day. When the fixtures used to come out pre-pre-season, you're like, mm. live on TV, we got Forrest. Just relegated, weren't they, from the Just relegated really from the print. It was like Stuart Pierce left back, I'm playing right, right wing. I'm like, I right. am gonna run this guy yeah, yeah, ragged, Because yeah. yeah. I was rapid as He a had you. a bad start as well. No, but this is what happened. I only I only found out about five years ago when I found this YouTube video. Mm. So I'm looking at I remember I remember like through the whole warm-up, he never looked at me. Just mm. before kickoff, when he'd done the bit run back, he just looked at me then and rolled his shorts, So I thought, all right. 15 seconds into that game, he got booked yeah, when come. he come through me. Yeah. He come through me in 15-7, back of my head. I hit the ground. Right. I saw it on YouTube and bounced up. Do you remember I got dragged at half time? No. Yes. I mean, I'm watching in the stands. Listen. So. Every time the ball came to me, right. went off the pitch. My right. touch was boun- Right. And I right. came in and Barry was every now and blind. He said, if right. you know, you can sit. Right. And I had a little go. But I had that absolute See that, stinker. I got an
3: insight because obviously I played with PC. Yes. I ended up going there you know, in March and did three years. He's intimidation factor, oh, right? And you've just summed And I'm it a up. street man.
4: You know how right. I am, Jay. So Nobody's I getting me. I see
3: this guy. So he never used to warm up. So every time we played a game, he'd warm up in the tunnel yeah. or just running up and down the change room and like grease up his legs and yeah, something like that. One pair of shorts on. I used to laugh thinking like, this guy's taking liberties. But sense. the fans built him up onto yeah. this cycle, psycho, psycho. And his his first thing, his first process would be he's literally old school, he's gonna kick that winger yep. like into the stands and like GBH. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me when he said he yeah. give give he you a smack. He came through
4: the elbow, he got the commentator says and, he got and Stuart Pierce has been booked in 15 seconds right. of his first game. And generally,
3: generally, I'm telling you, the games I'd saw and the games that I'd been involved with, he never got booked because it was England captain, and it he'd intimidate like, referees. The referees would yeah. be like, "Come on, come on, yeah. Stuart, you can't do that again." Or, "Come on, Pearson, you plate an elbow." He's doing doing destroying defensive people, header,
4: and he's come through me, bam, But obviously, he knew you ain't running past me today, so he let you know. He let me know in fifteen seconds, All right. and you went off. I got dragged. I got dragged at halftime. <laughs> Basil was there and them blind ad, but it would go back. And I was like, off. <laughs> But and the I next only game, just realised, the next the, game... The
3: next game, Millwall, live on the box, a new den. was was a, that that was a Listen, I, I got the clips. I'm going to be sending you the yep. clips soon because I score, you score, Rikyoto scores, Tommy Mooney. Tommy Mooney scores. But what we did, imagine Millwall being Millwall, I've always had this love-hate. Yeah. They always, obviously, yeah, it was hate-hate. So we turned up there and Halsey and Steeny. they used to make us, every away game, they used to make us run the gauntlet yeah, and basically yeah. run around the edge of the pitch in front of the yep. away fans and obviously they'd give us dogs abuse yeah, and we'd be like right just abuse. come on you've got to deal with this you've yeah. got to suck it up and I remember doing it thinking this is crazy all we're doing is antagonising the fans antagonising right? opposition but players. it clearly it, it built up our resilience yeah. so when the whistle blew and that had Keith Stevens you know Rhino yeah. Rhino man got tear up listen, that day man, you know? I remember they seeing them in the bar they you, got you broke them up in the listen, bar listen Rhino uh, uh, his uh, jawbone everything he got his head boss he got his head Imagine if that's your, that's your player the fans love yeah. him. he got his head boss. I dealt right. with Rhino. We scored. They scored first 1-0. Yeah. I scored to equalize 1-1. Then we just ran right. Yeah, ran right I remember right. someone throwing a cup of tea at Ricky, yeah. trying to grab his locks yeah, when lots, he was everything. taking a yeah, throw yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. It was arm's out that arms. day. It kicked
4: off. And then after the game, it nearly kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. But we was a strong team. I'm talking about on the pitch and off the pitch. Of we were a team that people couldn't play with. Again, everyone was stand-up. We had so many stand-up people in that team. Of course. And some good pros. And good pros. good players.
3: There was good players. And it's
4: seldom you have people that have that transferable skill. I look at kids Mm. now, I'm like, street kids who are playing football. I'm like, Mm. you get on a pitch pitch, and you're unable to transfer your skill set. You're unable to intimidate your fullback so that your game becomes better. Mm. All of a sudden, you kind of curl up into this shell because you can't transfer your Your, your, your regular life onto a football pitch.
3: Yeah, I thought we was going to be the next Wimbledon because we, what we was doing wasn't in the script. So beating Wolves away, I remember it, you know, icon of mine, the late, great Cyril Regis was yeah. playing. Yeah, And he was playing up top and we got the result and we were like celebrating, went yeah. to Middlesbrough, went to Sunderland. We held our own, we third in the table. Own. It was only because Vic Jobson yeah. at the time... Contracts. Yeah, the money wasn't getting paid. We wasn't getting this, we wasn't getting that. Just literally threw a spanner in the works to ensure that this team can't get promoted because it would have cost the club. And you think fortune. now the
4: club would not be in the position it's in today?
3: Yeah, if they'd have built on it. Yeah. I mean, they built on the success in terms of sold Stan Colin yeah, to yeah, Forest yeah, and, yeah, then and, money. Money yeah. and then Barry Fry spent that money and then bought in good players. But then Barry Fry obviously left because he knew the script. He, he went left, to he took And an then I left and yeah. the players left and you would have been left there yeah. with Pali and yeah. Pali's a great player yeah. as well. We knew he had a great career.
4: But it became a different club. Yeah. It came, a selling it became, club. it became a selling club because of it It, it, it no longer had them young, hungry yeah. athletes in amongst, in amongst the changing room. It got straight. It became a club where, oh, he's on this. It became a, about money. Mm. Oh, so-and-so would come in, he's on this much money. Well, how's he on that much money? Has, oh, yeah. we're buying him for this. And then, the conversations were different. Back mm. in the day, it was, okay, how many games we got this month? This many games. We mm. win this many games, we got it. Yeah. It was, used to be who we play who are the games. That was the conversation. Because yeah. we were just hungry kids who had never made it to the top, mm. but we were in we good teams. And we had a point to prove that. Yeah. And the point to prove weren't to other people, it was to ourselves. Yeah. And that's what I think the most... We had the point to prove that all we asked for was a stage. Yeah. And Southend gave us all a stage. To, and they gave us a stage without any shackles.
3: Go and do what you do. Fun period. I look back um, with with you know great memories and oh, amazing memories. Only there a short spell, but you know good players, times, good O.J. friends, big times, times, big times. Okay, so you're also an entrepreneur and a founder of Sports on Screen. So what motivated you to kind of start your own business?
4: It was, I think, going into after Dream Team. I did uh, my first film. I did was Mike Bassett, England manager, which I shot with him. That was with Rick Tomlinson, directed by um, Steve Barron. And I shot in England and then we went to Brazil and I spent, God rest his soul, a whole day with Pele. Mm. Like personally, me one looking after Pele for a whole I saw that picture day. in the socials when he and, passed. I mean, yeah, big, big. The day that changed my life, man. Like they say, don't meet your heroes. But what the time I had with him mm. for that day. And I, and, you know, like all my life I've, I've been around big, famous people. But that's the only man. When I got back to my hotel room, I rang my wife and I was crying. Mm. I said, you're not going to believe the day I've just had him what I have in front of me and he signed this um, picture for me and he signed a shirt a Brazil top to Zach Anser for my son best wishes Pele and I was crying literally I was flooding in tears of joy what have you done with that stuff you still got it yeah so in my office at home is my Pele picture and my son's got his own shirt with what Pele signed with his full name on I loved that and because of, I, he was my ultimate hero growing mm. up. You know, mm. as a kid, you had, you had them video cassettes and it was the Pele video yeah, cassettes. Course. And you watched his journey as a black man at the top of his game.
3: We all watched Brazil as, oh. as, as young black people, right? Because yeah. it
4: was like the Harlem
3: Globetrotters. These exactly. people were just like destroying yeah. teams and but, incredible. But I
4: think one of the things I, I, I was trying, because on, on an aircraft the other day, I watched the documentary on Pele. Mm. And I was trying to, and it actually rang home what it was. I, he was accepted by everybody. He was accepted by everybody, black people, white people would always be around him, celebrating Mm. his skill, celebrating him as a a skillful footballer, as a fantastic, and it was, you didn't see that. Don't forget, even after that later, you think Cyril and all the black footballers have what they went through. Mm. Pelé wasn't treated that way. He was treated like a film star because he was that good at football, where football excellence took him above everything. Mm. And that's never happened since. Nobody mm. has gone as done what Pele has. Transcended, didn't and, it? Yeah, and I've written and only you know, the other day on an aircraft, I was like, oh I get it now. This is it was what you what I had brought into it was not just him being a footballer, it was him being accepted. Mm. It was him being accepted. Because when you're looking at old footage, there's no black people, it's all white reporters and everyone yeah. begging for questions from yeah. him. Global ambassador, that's Global. what it was. Global, but they didn't see him as a black man. They saw him as a footballer.
3: I don't remember any negative stories attached no. to him. I'm sure someone could dig something up, yeah. but I, I don't remember it. And, Amazing guy. You know, the, we know that sometimes the media can paint this negative perception. Yeah. And it was always, as you said, white. Uh, you know, well received and very, very positive Best
4: man. But going back, so after Mike Bassett, England manager, I'd done Brazil, came back, and I was like, this is kind of two years I'm doing a feature film. Two years in the end, just from retiring from football. Hmm. I carried on at Dream Team. And then I got a call from Danny Cannon. And he was like, I got a call from America, from Hollywood. He was like, my name's Danny Cannon. I've got a free picture. Well, I've got this. There's a movie going called Goal. It's free pictures. I'm only doing one, but I want you to work on this one with me. I can't guarantee you're all 3 I'm only doing one, but I want you to. Work. So he said, I'm coming to London on this day. I'd like you to meet me. I rode my moped into central London, met him in a hotel. I, had done, I think I'd done five or six years at Dream Team by now.
1: Mm.
4: Went up to the hotel room and he said, look, how much notice do you have to give to your job? I said, well, I just have to, it's coming into Christmas. I said, I, think, I believe it's four weeks in my contract. He goes, I want you to do it. He said, well, I promise you I'll change your life. So I said, I looked at him because he just was an honest guy. I said, okay, I'm doing it. Came out, sat on my bike, I thought,
3: Oh, man. took a leap of faith there. Took that leap of faith. I
4: called the exec producer, Jane Hewlin. She was in South Africa at the time. And I said, I'm going to hand in my resignation. I want to leave. And her words to me were something like, I thought this show was for me and you. It was interesting how she said it. But the way the show was growing and the way I was growing, Mm. in my head, it wasn't about me and you. Because imagine I was teaching people to do a job above me. All right. Yeah. yeah. What does that wasn't you wasn't getting
3: the appreciation Yeah.
4: so I was like I'm going to have to do something for me and my family yeah. so I decided to take that leap of faith with someone who wholeheartedly believed in me mm. and was going to give me that stage to make it happen and then before you know it I'm in Hollywood I am living I've got an apartment in Hollywood prepping getting ready for a film and I'm sitting there with 50 Cent Neil Long I'm hanging with some people Robbie Williams Jason Statham, I'm just all for football. Being a football choreographer consultant, Mm. it was the craziest scenario you could ever think of. But going and living in America for that little period of time made me realize I have to set myself up as a business. I have to set myself up as a business. And that's where the big change happened coming back from America. Because when I set the business up, I came back, I set up a website. Mm. And The guy, everyone in America was saying to me, what do you actually do as a job? And I I would i sit down with people that I knew out there and say, I'll do this, this and this. They said, do you know the value of that? And when I told them what I was earning, they'll be like, are you serious? You only earn that. Mm. They said, you should be earning a lot more. So when I came back, I remember I bought that Apple um, computer, a little 14 inch had just come out. I bought a computer out there, Mm. came back to England with my wife and everything. And I was like, okay, I'm going to set this up as a business. My first phone call that came into to me was Nike. Nike called and it was a producer called Medibar. He called me and he said, oh, we've heard about you. We're doing a shoot with Arsenal Football Club. We'd like to see if you're available. I said, yeah, I'm available. And he said, what's your rate? Now, the money I was earning for one week on the film, I made my day rate. So I said, this is the money. This is how much it cost me a day. Which what? was a week's Think, wages on thinking the Thinking it would shock him or just no, testing the water? No, the, because they were saying in America, you are worth yeah. a lot more. Yeah. You've, got a, you've, got to, you've got to believe in your worth. Yeah. So I'm bearing in mind, I'm like, the film is finished now. I'm wet. I've got a gap between. I'm like, oh. so I said, this is the way. He went, oh, great. Um, we can't afford that. Boom. I've never worked for Nike by then. Never. Two hours later, the phone ring again. Hi, Ann. We found the money. Are you available? We're going to do a rehearsal tomorrow. I'd done that rehearsal. I'd done the shoot, smashed it. Mm. All I needed to work from, that, from then on was four days a month to cover everything. I can cover all my bills, mm. everything's paid for, and have money to live. Four days a month. Mm. I started to work with Medi for nearly, I worked with Mehdi for nearly four or five years through Nike at that time with him. And I was doing on average 10, 12 days a month for four or five years. And then it built up and got bigger. And bigger and bigger, and then the business, my whole business structure built and grew. And now twenty, I'd say eighteen years on, I'm still now working hard with Nike. So, what was you doing with the rest of your spare time then? The rest of my spare time was building a lot the business. Of spare time. Okay. I was building the business, looking at ways I can build the business. How mm-hmm. can I bring in? Um, how can I get body doubles? How can I um, now recruit extra footballers who can come on a, on my roster? Yeah. How do I build this whole thing out? Yeah. And, and, how, and also understanding the advertising world. Because I would get certain scripts from, from Nike to doing certain things, and I swear by my, I didn't know what they actually meant. I'm looking at them going, mm. this is different from the world I came from. Yeah. Because this is a whole different ballgame. I was actually learning how advertising works mm. and understanding the role I played within advertising. Mm. And that was a major. But I, I, I still to today, that I credit Paul Linger, for bringing me into the industry, yeah. God bless his soul, and I credit Medi for believing in me mm. and giving opening that door for me with a massive brand like Nike to just go, go and go and flourish. Mm. It's about opportunities. I mean, pe- people
3: was they've never had an opportunity. I would like to think at some stage everybody gets an opportunity. It's what you do with it. You know, when I was given an opportunity to go on trial and play football, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, I didn't slip, I didn't mess up. So. What got to be ready. we got to be ready for yeah. those opportunities. And when they come, just grasp them. Yeah.
4: And I also think opportunity is a key word. I also think that those of us who recognize opportunity and have flourished through the opportunity have to then offer opportunities to others. Yeah. So what I pride myself on my company, Sports On Screen, is we offer opportunities to new models and people to experience new things. Okay. And that's super important. On average, we offer at least around 150 new people Get an opportunity to work in the industry through our company, mm-hmm. and I pride myself on that. Even mm-hmm. yesterday, I was doing a shoot, and the guy that was on it because my daughters run the UK model agency or sports on screen. I was say,
3: talk about your family; yeah. it's a family business. It's a family, family business. Right? Yeah, my You've daughters the run involved. the model
4: sides of it. My mm. son is one of the is, a, is a choreographer yeah. as well within former the industry. Former player, former professional footballer. Let's talk about that a little bit.
3: Yeah, I knew him when he was at Charlton. I you knew him as, as a struggle, kid, no, struggled yeah. with his injuries. Yeah. Listen, when I went in at Charlton, and I see him it's like answer answer I know your dad you know when you have that yeah. conversation with people yeah. I, and I mean I know your dad yeah, not yeah. I just know of you I know your dad and he was
4: like very respectful very yeah. quiet good guy he's a good kid Played
3: like- with his injuries you Played know? with
4: his injuries he had 10 years at Arsenal, flying. Really promising player, yeah, he right? got into England's top score goal scorer yeah. from month from 15 with Raheem He's Sterling in that team. He was gonna, gonna be big got in the Champions League. Mm. He was on the bench at 17 years old, Champions yeah. League for Arsenal, playing mm. away, rooming with um and, and people like that, yeah. in and around them. You see, I've got pictures of videos of him with mm. Fabregas and all those guys yeah. training on a regular Arsene Wenger. So how did you how did
3: you cope with him? How did you support him? I mean, obviously that's a tough transition, right? It,
4: it's a tough transition and and do you know what? Even for me as a parent, it was heartbreaking to see your son go through so much because what a lot of people don't realise is that when Zach was 11, 12, he had a deficiency in his hip and he's now, he's actually got a screw in his hip. He had to have a knob. and he, was, he didn't play football for two years whilst he was at Arsenal at 12, 13. So basically he's, when your, your hips and all that, the bones start to and, and form, yeah. his hip was out. So they had to kind of shift the hip up and mm. put a screw bolt in it so that it could function properly. So, and then on top of that, then when he got to 17, he got into the squad, and when he got the injury, when he'd done his ACL, mm. obviously the alignment of his body changed completely. Then he'd been out for a year, he came back, and it went again. Wow. And that just he's made a, a big... He'd been through a lot. Yeah. A lot. I remember he missed the youth... Um, I think it was a world world cup or one of that for England because he had dislocated his shoulder. Oh, then wow. he played again; it came out again, so he had to have a screw in his shoulder, yeah, and he couldn't got, recover son, in time to, to, to go away it with the, with the England team. Mm. So he'd been for a lot, and honestly, like for me personally, I it, it, it will sound strange to yeah, some people. How did people, you pick him up? I mean, you had to. Pick but him I look up, right? up to him because he teaches me how to stay calm and be respectful in, in tough situations. He like I look at him sometimes. I'm like. How do you manage? Because I watch him, I watch how he is amongst with his mm. peer group and with his friends that are playing football and he, he's always cheerleading them. Go on, do, do well. Mm. Nobody ever comes to me with a bad word to say about my son. And I look Respect. at him and think, you had the world at your feet. Respect. And even with how me and my wife are and the life we have, he, he's, and the life he has even now, he's still not cocky, cocky with it. He, he's always there to help people. Mm. He's always there to help people. But
3: that's credit to you as parents. You know when you say, you know, he's teaching you You've taught him as yeah. parents because I was saying to somebody before that young sons, especially young black boys, they watch their parents. They yeah. watch their dads. They're looking yeah. for role models. So, you know, you've been a good role model. Yeah. You've I know that like Carl Lieber and Michael Bennett, and other, you've all got children. You've yeah. all got sons similar age. Yeah. So you're all, you're all there for each other. Yeah. Good friendship group, And right? that's
4: important. It's like the other day with Miles was playing at Man United. Mm. Me, my wife, my daughter. Miles Leburn. Imagine Lieber. that. Yeah. So we know
3: Carl Leburn. So we know the song Leburn. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then we, we, got in his crowd. Son. we
4: got in a we hired a minibus. Yeah. Drove, got the driver drove that. us to Manchester Brilliant. United to support. That. That's what happens with mm. friendships. You support because he's moving forward. Mm. Let's go with him. Let's go. Let him know that we are in the crowd there supporting him because you know and I know as footballers mm. when you know that people are there for you it gives yeah, you course. a different bus. A little bit of a boost. Super man. important. You don't want to let anybody down. No, not from afar. They're there. They've travelled for you. Super, super important. And, uh, and I think, and Zach Zach was coming to that thing and he couldn't because he, he plays semi-pro. He, mm-hmm. had to, he had a game, so he couldn't get off of it. Yeah. But he's super supportive in every way. In fact, he mm-hmm. was doing, when Miles was injured with his Oscars, he was doing one-on-one sessions with him. Because mm-hmm. Zach actually has set up his own one-on-one coaching oh, as okay. well. So he does his own one-on-one coaching. He has a pitch at our office. We have this whole an AstroTurf mm-hmm. pitch where he trains loads of different players from all levels, come in and do one-on-ones with him.
3: I think it's amazing that you've got the kids working with you. You know, I, I can't think of anything better. As yeah. long as you all get on, which you clearly Listen, do. it's, blessed. it's a know? blessed
4: thing. And there's no crossover. I'm I'm a true believer in I don't have, I shouldn't have to micromanage. I allow you to, to mm. make your mistakes, mm. but learn from mistakes. Yeah. But grow, which okay. is super important.
3: So how did you end up choreographing uh, South Africa's World Cup goal celebration?
4: That Talk to me about that. That, that was, this is how that came about. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I did the show Wayne Rooney Street Striker.
3: Yeah, remember. So,
4: it. from Wayne Rooney Street Striker, I worked with a company called Pitcher Farms. And obviously, it was Coca Cola, Wayne Rooney Street Striker. So, Coca Cola then approached me. They said, Look, we're doing a thing for the World Cup, which is goal celebrations. We want to work with the South African team, Bafana Bafana, and we'd like you to host a show. So, it was like, next thing you know, I'm in South Africa. I'm, I'm hanging out with the South African national football team, I'm mm-hmm. in training camps. I'm hanging out with Benny McCarthy and everybody. It yeah. was a job of a lifetime. It was the yeah. best thing ever. Travelling all over South Africa. I was in the stadiums, the new stadium for the World Cup before anyone else was in them. It was just amazing, amazing trip. I think I saw something. once.
3: I don't know which one it was. I used choreographing and he was putting the crosses in. Yeah, yeah, that,
4: that, ah, that, I was <laughs> laughing, man. I like, Come on, you can wait. Like, move out right of the way. Let me put, let me show you. Like, putting the balls I, in. Let me tell you, see them, see that. You know how I am with that. I remember shooting in Brazil with my mm. Bassett, England manager, and it was on the on set. Was imagine I'm choreographing It's South, Scotland versus Nigeria. Right. So the extra I've got cannot whip the ball in. Oh. You know me, Jay. Yeah, yeah. Come and on, this, it, the heat was ridiculous. I said, "Come here." I took his kit off, put You're it right. on, and I whipped the ball <laughs> in. So, and it's like, "Yeah, we got that." I was struggling (laughs) after I was struggling because I'm doing two jobs now I'm I'm on the pitch as well as
3: directing uh, at Football Action Mm. absolutely but that's where your expertise comes in right just being nuances
4: and understanding that your body shape's not right let me show you what it's about that wouldn't happen that would happen and it's getting those it's the little things that I didn't realise that being a footballer that I watched I watched the little things that people's habits and Mm. just little things that they would do on the pitch. And you look at, like I just said about you, when you do this with your neck, when you'd get upset. And I I I thought that's how everybody looked at things. Mm. But I'm always kind looking at little things. Body language. And and I guess it's helped me in business because when we talk about reading a room, Mm. like I'm in a room all over the world where 99.9% of the time, I am the only black man Mm -hmm. who's, a head of department. Yeah. I am the only black man. So I'm in yeah. a room and I'm like, okay. And nowadays, I guess a lot of people know who I am when I walk in a room, but yeah. back in the day, I used to do this, I used to walk in with a rucksack. I walk in with my rucksack mm. and people, no one will talk to you. Imagine you're doing a production meeting where there's 25 people. Yeah, so art different. department, everyone. No one would actually talk to me before because everyone's mm. eating little bits. Mm. And then when we come to sit around the big tables, the director's there and I'm always sat next to the director. And you can see, I can see people now going. Then the pre-production meeting starts. Mm. Who's talking? The director and then it's me. Because the director was like, and sit next to me because when it comes to football, you have to do the talking. Before that meeting's done, mm. everybody, oh, Andy, would you mind if we have a meeting with you straight after this? Can we get, can we And I'm like, you're the same people that just yeah, yeah, totally yeah. just walk Never past Never judge a me. book. I, but it's yeah. a game I love to play. I yeah, love you to like play. to sneak in, yeah? yeah? I, want, I love it because I'm like, let me see how you guys are going to change your attitude towards me. Because mm. then I know who the individuals are, I'm working with. Yeah, good. You know, I know who you are because you show me your true colours mm. from the beginning. I'm always courteous. If I meet people, I'm like, how are you? How? Are you? But if you want to blank me because you feel as though, oh, you can only be talking to people of posi- in in a position of power. Now, when you see me at the table and you hear me talk, mm. you're like, oh, damn. Yeah. We didn't realise. Yeah, of course. You know, no, and, it's a, good game it's, to and it's a fun game it's I, a good I love game. it it doesn't happen as much now which is quite sad because people I go places rep, and I've built a rep. reputation and people know who I am now but it, it's, it's, a fun, it's been a fun game to play on this journey mm. and, and, and what it does it just reaffirms that life isn't rosy out there it's still yeah. tough it still really got is work. tough still got work to we've do. got a lot of work to do mm. we've got a lot to do and, and that's why being an owner of a business it's been a blessing because I'm actually in a position where I can make change. Yeah, ownership. I can make change because I own I own my stuff. Mm. Like my cousin will call, um, my cousin will call, and and I and I've got work. I need to have work experience. No problem. I'm gonna give you this number because I'm not, I'm not making it so. E- it, call Seft, email him, tell him you've spoken to me, and he'll sort it out for you. Mm. Done. done, done, done. I haven't got to think about. I ain't got to think about it. Mm. I own the company.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Listen, hey. net, networking is, is, is huge. When, we, when we're when we talking to young people all the time, it's about your networking. Yeah. You know? And and as much as you shouldn't rely upon family and friends, it's always nice to know that they can help you. right? Yeah. So I've helped my children. They're, they're, they've all worked at Nottingham Forest, bar, bar one, yeah. you know. Once coached, some have worked in hospitality, but it's just giving them an opportun- opportunity again. You know that might not be their vocation, but you know why wouldn't you lean on yeah. somebody? We all wish we had those those links yeah. growing up, right? And
4: they've got then. It, then it's up to them to take that opportunity mm-hmm. and, and run with it. You know, it's not about just sitting down thinking, "Oh, this is easy." Mm. My there, children are, don't get it. Are easy. there any
3: similarities between elite football and entrepreneurship?
4: Um, I'll I tell you what, there's a trait that I see with elite footballers, right? And it's a common thread with the ones that stay at the top because of, you know, I've worked with the, very, the best in the world for the mm. last 20 years. And the ones that sustain it at the top have got this work ethic, this work ethic where what you do in your regular, and when they go to training, that's only one factor. It's yeah, the stuff off the pitch. They live the life. They live the ridiculous. life. It's yeah. ridiculous. Like there's, these athletes will train eight hours. And when I say eight hours, I'm not talking about kicking a ball, I'm talking about looking after their body, yeah. private masseuse. Before work. All the, yeah, training, all the things that they've got, work. everything, mm. their life off, they're drinking specific water mm. to neutralize their body. They do everything to the letter of the law. Yeah. And that's why I, they can play on to whatever age. Yeah.
3: There's there's no coincidence that Zatan, you know, and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. and, and, and Messi should be able to, although he's a, a different animal, yeah. but... These guys have put the dedication in. I, I like them as good examples. I mean, when people say Messi or Ronaldo, I only go with Ronaldo because I understand the work he put in yes. behind the scenes to create that and that continues body doing and, on a and daily be basis. Player. Whereas Messi, we know has had, and it's easy to say that natural talent, but he was gifted with a talent yeah. which Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't. But he was a fantastic player. But we saw the transformation from him at Man United to where he is now you know he's at the end of his career and he's still in fantastic shape And
4: but that's what's interesting because I know a lot of people say oh he's at the end of his career and I'm like this guy will play he can play for another yeah. four six years
3: I'm just disappointed that he's gone to play where he's yeah. playing do you know what I, I mean I understand that that for me is like yeah anybody who goes and does that you're pretty much you're writing off the the remainder of your career. I understand which is crazy. that,
4: but there's a, there is a purpose behind the Saudi move, mm. and it, it is purpose driven. I know everyone what, looks at the finance. Yeah, everyone looks at the finances. Yeah. But over the period of the next couple of years, you're mm. you're, you're I'm privy to it because I'm part uh, of that okay. team. So a I was in Saudi movement. two two weeks ago yeah, okay. with the team, and that I'm privy sense. to the team. But there it is purpose driven, yeah. and. What's good about it, his legacy won't be tarnished by this move to Saudi Arabia. I can assure you of that. Okay, it good. won't be tarnished because a lot of people out there and rightly so, I understand because it's superficial. It's from a press perspective. Yeah. He's earning all this money. He's gone there just for the money. Yeah. He didn't easy, end well at the Man United. That.
3: I mean, forgetting that he, he was top goal scorer the yeah. season before, the, you know, the last season. It just didn't. It didn't. And then obviously to go to the to the World Cup and not getting yeah. the team was crazy. as And well, and, and
4: right? a lot of that was circumstantial. And, and right now, I, I think that the rest of his football career will eclipse some of the the down, downsides. it. It has it. to.
3: People, people think need to stop throwing you know, mud at him and think, yeah. let's not forget the numbers, man. The numbers are yeah. unbelievable. Trust One of me. the best players to ever play the game of football. Not many people can say no. that.
4: And, and the thing is with him as well, what, what really throws me, and I do get in arguments sometimes with people defending Cristiano and the team Cristiano because it's, he has the money already. Mm. He has no need to go somewhere for money. He has more than enough money. Mm. More than enough money. Mm. It's, 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 you, you can't spend the money. He has but it's in his good lifetime. that you can say that because without insight, yeah. you know, what are people going to think?
3: And this is what happens all the time. Yeah. People just say, money driven? Well, you don't know. If no. I don't know, I don't know.
4: Exactly. And he, he, he has, so, everything has a purpose. Mm. Everything has a purpose. And it will come to light and we'll see it. And people go, oh, I didn't realise. Yeah. I no, it's realize. good it's good for you to get inside. And him as a human being, I'm telling you, one of the most kindest, one of the most generous human beings around. Mm. He gives so much, but he gives it without putting his hand up wow. and, and going, without I've done publicity. this. Okay. He doesn't do it for publicity. He does it from a, from a place that's in his heart. Mm. And he doesn't, it's a lot of the stuff that he does, no one knows he's done it. Yeah. Like even the, benefit, the beneficiaries of his good, kind gestures mm. do not know he has done that. Oh, wow. There's people who are living and breathing today through gestures mm. of Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow. But he, he does it from a place in his heart. Mm. And for me, that sums up the kind yeah, of human that's, being. That's, because that's from great. how I know him and, and how I see him, it's a lot different to the public persona. What that guy who's always got the earrings on, looks a certain way, got the diamond in. And that the real Cristiano Ronaldo is a different human being. Hence why he has so many children around him.
3: Here's a question for you, because I just want to, instead of next, oh, it's name dropping. Tell me the, the the big names you got in your phone, the numbers. You got no, I, I'm
4: not even I'm, I'm, I can't even well, I'm go there. I'm going to steal that, your number. I can't even go there. Come on,
3: because that, that, gives, that gives a little bit say, more. I would say That lets this. people know that's listening yeah. to this who don't know you. Yeah. Come on. I will that, will lets say you, this, that lets
4: right? them know. If you're going through, through the people, like you can name the top XYZ amount of footballers, all of them will be relevant to me. All of them will be relevant to me. Like the other day when I was with Ronaldinho, another player messaged me saying, oh no, you're going to be running. Can you get me something? Done. When Ronaldinho sign this for me, boom. Give it to someone to give to the, give to the top player as well. Mm. You know, and, and that's because of relationships. And, and this is what I would say to anyone, and you know me already, Jason, that my relationship with you is exactly the same as what I have with Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't change who I am for no one. Mm. I'm consistent. I've been working with Team CR7 for coming into 16 years, since 2005, when we done Joga Benito, Slatan versus Ren- Ronaldo. So that's a relationship that's been sustained Mm. from 2005 to 2023 Mm. and ongoing. May God continue to bless me that way. Mm. That's a long relationship with the world's number one athlete. Mm. And sometimes I sit back and I kick myself and I go, this little black kid out of Southeast London had come out of a single parent home Mm. living in this council estate that had no carpet on the floor, had holes in his shoes, going to school to play football, is now standing alongside the world's biggest athlete. Hmm. It's, been hmm. it's been a journey. It's and been a journey. And letting him know that
3: you used to play right wing for surfing. Yeah, hey. yeah. that's
4: another thing. <laughs> Let me put the cross in yeah, for exactly. you. Exactly. That's another thing. But, and then, uh, then I talk about the journey that I had with Wayne Rooney, hmm. which was, Jay, the funniest, one of the most enjoyable times ever. Wayne Rooney, I put him on a pedestal. I'm telling you now, the jokes that you have with that guy. Another guy who wasn't financially, nothing, it, money didn't drive him. Mm. Money never drove him. It. It'd be like, I remember one time I was, we was on set doing Wayne Rooney Street Striker and I was like, oh, I think my wife called me because we were booking a holiday in Barbados. And he was like, oh, you can have my house. Just ask Paul, you can go stay at my house. I said, Wayne, no, it's fine. What, in Barbados? Yeah, I said, well, it's fine. It's fine. But let me tell you a gesture about Wayne Rooney. I'll show you, i sum up the size of the man. This is the best way I can some of my relationship with Wayne. When Man United were playing Barcelona in a Champions League Cup final, that was at Wembley. Do you remember that Remember that time? Right. I was in Madrid because I was shooting Cristiano in Madrid. I was in a hotel room. I remember it clearly. My phone rang. It was Wazza. Waz, what's happening? And well, you're coming to the final. This was his word. This is our, our Wazza. you come to the final. I said, I'm going to try and get some tickets. He said, that's what I'm calling you for. I've got four tickets for you. You need to send me the passport names and the full name and passport and cover the passport n- numbers so mm. I can get it sorted. I'm only having close friends and family. Nice. Imagine that, asking mm. four tickets. I took my son and two of my work colleagues. We sat with his mum and his dad and his brothers mm. at Wembley for the biggest game of his career at Wembley. Four tickets. Mm. Like, you couldn't ask a player at, at, at whatever club for four tickets. And this he rang the, you. You didn't And ring he him. rang me. Four That's, tickets. Wow, okay. That's, the guy is unreal, mm. and people don't see that side to Wayne Rooney because there's all this stuff, stuff that the media have spread out about him. But the guy is unbelievable, and I, I, I owe Wayne a lot because he put me to the. He actually was another one that elevated me up. Yeah. It's like if he's doing it, he's like, "Well, I want Andy with me." Mm. Like when when Street Striker, they didn't have a concept for Street Striker. They had Wayne Rooney, Coca Cola, and Sky, Paul Strefford and Wayne said, "Well, you need to speak to Andy." Because Wayne will only do it with Andy and work on what the concept's going to be. I came in, sat with Plum Pictures, and there we have Wayne Rooney Street Striker. Mm. So these guys, where yeah. I stood, I stood in a position of power. So I, I no longer became a one. I became a need because the athletes were like, no, Andy has to be there. So when you're a need, the powers that be can't do anything about that because you become a need. You're not a one. If you want, oh, I want a Rolls-Royce. If you don't get it, it doesn't matter. Mm. But you want Wayne Rooney to do this show. You needed me there. Otherwise, he wasn't going to do it. So my power actually flipped because the athletes gave me the strength and the power to actually stand toe-to-toe with the big boys. And they they would respect me because Mm -hmm. I was able to achieve what they were spending their money on for them Mm -hmm. and alongside them with the athletes. So it was a great, it's an amazing transition. And it's only when I explain that to people do people kind of get the journey and understand what, Got me to where I got to, but fundamentally, I would say to anyone is because I'm always consistent. I treat people with respect, and I expect the same respect back. But I will start anything by treating you with, with respect. Like I go to shoots now. I was in Dubai shooting kids for twelve days in Dubai, and, and people go, "Oh, this must, this must be bad for you. You must be so bored." I'm like, no. Every job I do, I commit to. Like these kids. They're the most important thing for me now because I'm as good as whatever job I'm doing. I will treat them the same way I treat a Ronaldo, a Wayne Rooney, a Neymar, and Mbappe. I'm treating them the same mm. because every job, I want to be, I'm always consistent. I don't change. And, I've, and plus, I've got a duty of care because they're kids. Mm. I have to make sure they have an experience because what usually happens, I get to say, I do my thing, especially in a foreign country. And then, you know, everyone goes to Instagram now. And then it's like, hold up a second. I always know when they've done because... The next day after shooting, parents will be, oh, can they have a picture with you? Can they have a picture with you? I'm like, oh, they've been there. They've been there. So you know they've gone to the Instagram and they've seen the clientele that you work with. Mm. But I still treat everyone the same. I don't care whether you're big or small, whether you're famous or not. Mm. Like for me, I'm I'm purpose-driven. I'm here with a purpose. And my purpose is to make you look good. But with kids, it's to make sure you have an experience. An experience. Because filming is horrible for children. But when you film with me, I'm making sure you have a filming experience because I'm a father and I know what it's like for children. Mm. So when everyone's going, oh, getting ready again, don't need to go, get set, time's off the issue. I'm like, stop. I'm like, do you want a drink? Get a drink for them. Listen, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I actually stay with them. I'll sit and have lunch with them because mm. it's important they have an experience because anyone that works for me, it's, for me, I'll hang my hat on, you had a great experience working with me. That's the most important thing. And I've carried that right away through my journey of filming. Even yesterday, working with a huge star who hasn't been announced yet. It was his first big shoot, and he's massive. And his experience was unbelievable. He walked out of the studio buzzing. His agent was buzzing. Everyone was so happy. But before he come in, it was like, we have to do this. We have to do this. We, we make sure that's done, that's done. But, you know, I'm just cool. I'm like, when, he comes, when, when it's me... I know I'm not gonna have a problem. I know I'm gonna make sure that his experience on this set yeah. is gonna be amazing, and that that's where the experience and everything. Why well, you know how to handle people anyway? So
3: no, and I that mean, comes from. The, I think
4: that comes from being a kid. Like I said, growing up in Southeast London in Lewisham, mm. you have to read people. Mm. You need to know how you're gonna actually, especially if you need to infiltrate a certain situation, a certain yeah. scenario. Mm. So all that all the things I learned growing up, mm. I've, I've, I've really just wrapped it around me and mm. gone. Use it in life. Yeah, of course, of course. And it's skill sets. So yeah. many skill sets.
3: Let's talk SE Dons, okay? I mean, that's blown up, right? I mean, what's been the Man, What's I... been the key to that success? How has it happened?
4: Do you know what? I'm, 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 now, what's I, your role? I, this is what I think. Don Strapsy, um, Big G, Chris, Ryan Palmer. Those guys started it in two thousand and fourteen. And Don Straps, is a rapper. He used to always include footballers in his rap. So all the footballers knew him. Mm. And it's mad because he was on my books in 2014 as well as an extra model. Yeah. I remember at a casting, Zach was still at Arsenal. I remember we was doing a casting and Don Straps had come to cast. And dad went, dad, you know he's a rapper? He's the one that does all the raps. I was like, who? He said, the guy there is a rapper, dad. Because I weren't listening to him you And your Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then... What happened is um, I remember Zach had dropped out of football and then he went for about a year when he stopped playing and he started to play football with some of his mates on a Sunday just to have a mess around. And then they were playing SC Dons, who weren't a good team, but they were starting to make noise at this time. Mm. And I said to him, don't play in that game, Hans, because you don't, people might want to kick it. So he didn't play in that game. And then about four months later, he said, Dan, I'm going to sign for SC Dons. I said, pardon? So I'm going to sign for SC Dons. I said, "All right then." So I watched him go and come back. I was like, "Well, this kid's happy." So I said, "Let me see how he gets on the next week." Come back. Third week, I said, "I'm going to go and watch," and I realized what it done. It regalvanized him. Do you know why? Mm. Because it was like-minded people working for each other. He felt a part of a team again. Mm. You know the camaraderie. And then after a year, I looked at the setup, and I had a meeting with Big G and and uh, and the guys, and I was like guys, you need to structure this as a business. And I came in as a chairman and we created a board Mm. and we structured it as a business. So now there's there's Chris's full-time, Big G's full-time, and Don Straps is full-time employees of SC Don's football club. We have an office built. We we work, the boys work 24-7. We are a brand. We've got a two-year deal with Puma. The guys that shoot all different stuff with Puma. It's amazing. We work with a company called Phantom. The growth has been absolutely amazing. We get people from Australia come and watch our games. People from Canada, from America, from all over the world come to watch SC Don's play. So where do you play? We play. On a 4G? No, we play on, we, we, at the moment we are playing in the jungle, which is a place on, just off Lee I Road, which jungle, is the worst yeah. pitch ever. Yeah. And we play. And everyone believes that we pay the players. Nobody in our football club gets paid. Okay. And the, the other thing which is unique is that most of the team play non-league football, but none of them are contracted because you can't have a contract with a non-league club and play Sunday football. Mm. So they turn down their contracts so they can play on a Sunday. So these boys, you have to realise, they're playing Saturday, Sunday. So they don't go out raving, get on the sauce and everything on a Saturday night. So they're ready for a game on a Sunday. Because every game we play is like a cup final. Teams come to beat us, wanting to beat us. We're top of the league at the moment. We're in the semifinals of the National Cup. We're going to Solihull in March to play in the semifinals. It's the biggest cup in the country. We're in the semifinals of that, and we're flying. We're doing well. Mm. It's a huge business. All I, now it's really strange because back in the day, it used to be Tekkers. People see me say, oh, Tekkers. Now I go places, they're like, SC Dons, up the door, like, anything for Paula. I'm like, this is weird. I remember shooting in Liverpool with Virgil van Dijk. And there was this soccer camp going on. And they were banging on the window. I'm thinking, why are they banging on the got, Everyone was, Essie Don's mad. Because mm. sometimes you're like, is it because of Techers? It be, because it's Liverpool, I'm like, it might be Wayne Rooney's street strike. It might. But Essie Don's crazy. People that's that's, are, that's where Don's social crazy.
3: media's taken us, right? That's the profile. I mean, that's going to bring me on to my next question. How important is it for, you know, for current players to, to get their social media profile right?
4: Super important, man. That brand building. Because beyond football... Where, where are you going to earn a living? And I try and explain to a lot of footballers if you're a professional footballer now, just say you, you're fortunate to retire at 35. Your outgoings, just say, and it might sound strange to some of the people here, just say you're outgoing, I'm being conservative, half a million a year. That's being very conservative for a professional footballer. You retire at 35 and you're going to live to maybe 75, Godwinning. That's 30 years. You do the maths without the inflation, how much money you need to have saved if you want to sustain that lifestyle going through. And £500,000 a year is very conservative for a footballer. That is a hell of... Who's got that money in the bank? Mm. So you need to be ready to walk on civilian street with an understanding of how you're going to earn a living. But whilst you're a footballer, if you can build yourself as a brand, you can actually start putting pillars in place that are going to actually earn your living beyond your football career. Because you built the brand in yourself, yeah. that were, and there's players. You look there's players out there that may not have been the most famous of footballers. Like, look, I give an example, Akin Fenway. Look what he's built with his yeah, brand. He's built his brand out. Incredible. He's everywhere. They be take smooth. him to the Super Bowl everywhere. Yeah, Very clever. F- Taken socials. FIFA. FIFA. Like yeah. I've been working with FIFA for 15 years doing the game, and mm. I look at what Akin Fenway's done. Mm. He's actually gone. I'm going to play football. Yeah but I'm also going to build my brand and he's built a brand beyond it. So he was happy to retire last season Mm. because he's still got a life. He's still earning a living off the pitch and it's super important. And it's not being dull by saying to players, don't forget when you retire. It's like, I'm being real. Mm. Civilian street as a footballer is a whole different game. Mm. And that's where a
3: lot of professional footballers fall down. Well, this is what we talk about in terms of transition and you've been able to transition and be successful and, I suppose you need to share that message with whoever's prepared to listen because not everyone's prepared to listen. That's the biggest problem, especially when they're young. Yeah. You know, we know it all. But, you know, I, I spend a lot of time trying to educate young yeah. players and say, look, trust me, if you don't want to hear it from me, speak to somebody else. Yeah. I can give them maybe a case study of somebody who's yep. fell
4: off. You know, the career changes very quickly. Because it's the greatest quickly. job in the world. Right? And it's ain't. a dream. And, it, and when it ain't, it ain't. Mm. You look around you like, oh, I used to have a room full of friends hanging out here. Mm. You look around and it, you're like if the dog's even sitting in the room with you now. Deal. You know, that's the reality of it. You're Now it's like people have moved on to the next one. The media are only interested in the next one. And that's hard for people because when you're in, as a footballer, all you, it's regimented. It's like, I always say to people, it's like being in the army. Yeah. You know, you're like, it's time to attention. You do this. Everything's set at time. Yeah. So all of a sudden now, everything's, to, oh, there's no regiment. How you lose your purpose. You lose all sense of purpose. And then now you're vulnerable. Hmm. And a lot of players... Who uh, can't come to terms with not being a professional footballer? That label become vulnerable. Mm. So the label you you chased actually leaves you vulnerable. When you're when it's done with you, it's done with you. Mm. You are like go and find your feet. There's no there's no reserves there. There's no cushion there for you to land on when you fall. It's like you go and find your way, mm. and that's the hardest thing. So as great a career as it is, if you haven't got one eye on retirement and what, the, what your second career is going to be, how you're going to sustain your lifestyle beyond football. Mm. It's, it's doomsday. It literally is doomsday. And I've seen players, and it's so sad when I see a lot of players and, our, and their close friends fall down. And it's hard to get back up mm. because it's a career where you earn so much money so young. You know, you, you earn so much, so much money it so young. It comes quickly and goes quickly. Comes and goes very, very quickly. And it's hard to think about. It is hard to think about your future when you're 20, 21, and the world is your oyster but 21 to 30 goes so quick you when know you look we it, can vouch when you for that. when
3: you probably you know your peers your friends you know you, you come up together you accelerate quickly yep. you know but they catch you up because when your career is done yeah they've built up built a 10 up. 15 20 year career yeah. that they're now sustaining that money Yeah. and you've dropped off yeah so you just get you accelerate quickly yeah it's what you do with that short period of time
4: is what you're saying. It's super important that you build and you 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 start try, start to own things that are going to help you live beyond your football career. Because yeah. we are talking about living and a lot of people, they're, yeah, they're breathing, but they're dead inside. A lot of footballers are dead inside because they've got no purpose in life. Mm. And I think, you, like the PFA, you're doing a great job in in educating these kids, but it needs to be a constant flow. Because yeah. you'll go to one club and do it, then what we need that. Follow on. What's the string that follows on? How? What's the next thing that's going to come on? Yeah. What else is accessible to them? And I also think football clubs should have duty of care with, especially with the young players. So I've got. I've been having my minds been really racked on how many young players are destroyed from a young age, sixteen, like being at a club from eight to sixteen, get and released, they're not, and they're not getting a scholarship or not yeah, getting a. Pro. They've got nothing. They're, they're
3: the keys. The key ages, sixteen and eighteen. And it's
4: such, a, and and you see them fall off. There was one. I know a kid who. Dad used to drive me to the airport, was my driver for the airport. He was at Gillingham. At 15, he was promised a, pro- uh, a scholarship. I think Brentford or someone was going to offer him. He said, No, I'll stay at Gillingham. Gillingham manager changed. Right. They and pulled it, it from him.
3: It all changed because of the manager.
4: He went from 12 and a half stone, three years later, he was nearly 20 stone. Oh, wow. Just depressed it's and well just got being. to that. Jeez. Imagine his career was set. He had the choice of two clubs. A new manager came in. On, rug was pulled from under him and just seeing that the dad had to take time off work where the dad was depressed mm. it was like it yeah, affects do we a doing? lot of people it's the yeah. whole family it's the yeah. whole family get affected by right. it and i've been there with my own son yeah you know you look at i remember when my son was diagnosed with his hip mm. and, I, and this might be the first time my son hears it when he listens to this i was up night after night in floods of tears on the internet trying to See if there was any player that existed Mm. who had had this problem that played football, any human being that was doing athletics or anything, no Mm. one of them existed. No one existed. No one. And I was like, no. So every milestone my son reached beyond that, Mm. from 13 going forward, I was I celebrating. Mm. I was like, he's done that. He's done that. He's achieved that. He's achieved that. And it was inevitable in reality, if I go back to him being 13, there was going to be a point that they're just healing with how his body functions. Mm. Because imagine having a fused hip, you've got a screw in your hip, your body functions differently. Yeah. Yeah. Although, it's going when to pull he, you out yeah, of line, isn't when it? When he first done his ACL, it was a tackle he shouldn't have gone for. Mm. But who knows when or where that would have happened anyway, mm. you know? But you, and it takes time, it takes a long time to get to come to terms with it, even as a parent, because you're trying to do the best for your son. You're mm. also trying to come to terms with, whoa, this is because your life is geared around training, football, pick up this, that, that, you know, it's all based around that football, your son's football. Even my daughter's know football back to front because they grew up traveling to Arsenal every single day, doing their homework at Arsenal, doing this. It was all about Arsenal Football Club and their lives around it. So while I'm flying around the world doing my job, my wife is ferrying my son and his best mate to Arsenal Football Club and the girls would do everything. They knew every shop, every restaurant. They knew everything. Six weeks holidays. There was in and around that Air- Walthamstow area where the academy was spending all their six weeks holidays. Walthamstow, I know well.
3: Wow. Yeah, I mean, the whole... Just, just is, near um, the Walthamstow dog dogs, track. yeah, they I used to brought be was up just at the yeah. from there.
4: But it's amazing, like, people got to realise when these young kids are in the game, the whole family are involved in that. Yeah. And then you get the other side of it where the kids are just playing, living out their parents' dream or the parents have already believed that they're going to get a Ferrari, mm-hmm. they're getting a Range Rover, yeah, yeah. you know, They've already, I, I've witnessed parents at Arsenal. I remember one mum saying, oh, when my son gets his apprenticeship and pro, I'm leaving work. Wow. I'm not lying to you, I looked. Yeah. I was like, mm. You know, he didn't even get an apprenticeship. Mm. He didn't even get an apprenticeship at Arsenal. But she said to me blatantly, to me and my wife. yeah, when, when my son gets his apprenticeship pro, I'm not going to work no more. I looked at her and I was like, really? Mm. That's how, imagine the pressure on that young kid. He didn't even get the apprenticeship. He went on, he, he ended up coming out of the game at about 18. He, I think he went to QPL for a bit or something like that. But how do parents do that? Imagine yeah. the pressure on that young boy. Become too invested. And you, I get that, encourage your kids to be successful. But That pressure, that financial pressure, is too much. It's yeah. too much. And parents need educating. As yeah. much as we educate players, young yeah. players, I think clubs should, and I know pa- Crystal Palace they, are they doing do, a lot. They
3: do do it, and I've spent times with. Yeah, you you have like um, an induction meeting. So if they're going to be taken on as scholars, mm-hmm. you try to meet the parents in that period and speak to them about agents. and yeah, where, yeah. Just try and give them the warning signs. Whether they're listening or not is is another matter. But you can only pass on the information. Do you know exactly. what I mean? And try but and give them the yeah, then, yeah.
4: Again, I think consistency is key with anything you do. There, it's, it's consistency is key, and there should always be a place a safe haven for parents where they can pick up a phone and ask a question mm. instead of feeling like they've been rally- railroaded into a little funnel where they've got to go down that route. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it's I think right now, as much as we love football, there is a lot of, a lot of downfall and a lot of downturn within the game. Mm. The casualties of football is crazy. You know, as much as we love it and I've, it's been my life and it still is my life, I also know the casualties of football that, no one really gets to see. You see it. But people outside who are just fans don't get to see. Serious. It really is serious. You've worked on some incredible campaigns. You know, what's, what's been your favourite? That's another question that everybody asks. I, I think, it, that's hard to say, but if you talk about the biggest campaign is Right the Future. The one where Wayne Rooney becomes, in, he's in a caravan where he's done wrong and you see him and he's like got this white beat up vest in. And that one... And that like, when I think about Right The Future, it was, maybe today is the most expensive football commercial that's ever been made. I yeah. think we made that in, I think it was 2010, 2011, around that sort of period of time with an award Oscar winning director, Alejandro, who is phenomenal and it had Drogba, Cannavaro, wow. Cristiano Ronaldo, everybody was in it. It was a mm. film. It was a movie. Mm. And I, I still, I think that was epic. But, in saying that, even when I did, like, not too long ago, I'll say about four, four or five years ago, The Londoner, which had Skepta, Michael Dapper, all those people in it. That yeah, was a good. fun commercial. That was, that was a fun... So every commercial you do, there's something in it to hold. You know, you hold on to something. And who would have thought? like, I first worked with Skepta before he was famous for Nike at Juventus at a Nike event. And I was working with Michael Jackson's dance choreographer, I was chore- choreographing the Juventus youth team while Skepta and Jeremy are rapping. How mad is that? They weren't even famous then. Mm. Way, way back when. And then the next thing I know, I'm working with Skepta on Londoner Nike Londoner commercial. Mm. It's crazy. The journey's just mad. The journey's mad. But it's been a blessed journey. Mm. And I think to the, the answer to that question is I don't have a favourite. I enjoy everything I do. And it, it sounds a bit like cliche, but it's the God's honest truth. I enjoy everything I do. I look forward to every spot coming out.
3: You've really had the do. passion
4: and that's what drives you and that's what that's what we're
3: trying to instill in people with that need to find their passion and not be motivated by the money. Because
4: if you ain't driven, you're yeah. not going to go and achieve that, are you? No, so. a million percent. And nothing's out of reach. Mm. Like, I go everywhere and it's really weird for me and I've got to share this on here. Like, I'll walk down the road or I'll be somewhere and I'll look at someone and I go up to them. I'm like, do you play sport? And they'll be like, oh, no. Yeah, i do this. I'm like, Oh, join my company. Let me take, take this number and just write in, and you can get some work. And it's weird, but I offer it to everybody. I see people, male, female, because we do all sports. We don't just do football. Mm. And then even people watching this, I'm like, go to www.sportsonscreen.com. Join as a sports model. It costs you nothing. And if your phone rings for a job, what have you lost? Mm. You've not you've not lost anything. You can only gain from it. From five minutes out of your life to fill in a form online. And just email that across. You could be starring alongside a Ronaldo, alongside a Messi, alongside a Neymar and Mbappe. But that's opportunity again. Sometimes people don't
3: realise opportunity. They think, who's this guy? Yeah. Like, so I give you can I this, trust
4: him? That leads me on to another story. The metaverse. We just done this World Cup spot with Nike, the big one, about the metaverse We've with Ronaldinho, Mbappe. Everyone was in it mm. for the World Cup. Um, the guy who was the Mbappe double, he dried for Argos. So imagine my production manager it's his friend. He called him to, said, we need another Mbappé double. Can you just come in for it? He quickly stopped. He had his uniform on, put on a kit, done five minutes of, of video for us, put him in the casting. He worked with us for six weeks as an Mbappé double, back-to-back days. The money uh, was phenomenal. He's standing on set with Ronaldinho like this mm. when Mbappé isn't there because we film at separate times. And he is face-to-face with Ronaldinho. Imagine that from never done this before. and You're now on set with Ronaldinho. we Ronald, all these big stars. Mm. You're on set with them. Was he intimidated? Do you know what? The way he conducted himself was unbelievable because I mm. thought he was going to crumble. Mm. And his na- his name's Henry, a lovely kid who smashed it. Brilliant. And he'd done so well. Like, even for me, I'm looking at him thinking, you're not phased. But when Seth, my project manager, was say he was phased, but I said, well, he never showed me mm. one inch of being phased because... He was so professional. But he started it out, man. But that's how life can change. And the thing is, is that we you started this conversation about you've got to know when there's an opportunity mm. and you've got to be prepared to put yourself out. Like he was prepared to pull over his van and take time during his lunch and come and do a casting. Mm. And it was a life changer for him. You know, a life changer. Mm. He could earn enough money to buy a car to do what he needed to do. Brilliant. And that's the difference. You've got to be able to seize upon the opportunity. Super important.
3: Andy, I knew you would be. Uh, You've been a phenomenal guest. And the insight, I think, for people listening, they wouldn't understand the man behind the camera, you know, who you've worked with. I think it's good to put it out there, let people know your journey. Mm -hmm. I think will encourage a lot of people in terms of entrepreneurship and transitioning from being a player you know, I enjoyed playing alongside you back in the day. Good times, man. Good, I love Good friend. It. And, and hopefully we'll catch up. I know you're flying out. When are you flying off next? So next week
4: I'm Los Angeles, oh, there then he Portugal. Is. Here he is. It's all Live over the, the place. Dream, and then mate. France and then back to LA. Living the dream. Living the, the dream. Answer.
3: Thank you for being on the Absolutely podcast and all the best on your journeys. Love, man. Thanks
4: yeah. for having me. Yes, well, Love, bro. Love Wicked. That. Thank you. Awesome.